0: Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Awesome. I hope that you are ready to overcome as we are in week two of our Overcomer series. But before we dive into that, let me just give a quick announcement. Uh, Tim Jones, our pastor of spiritual development, and his wife, Sarah Jones, our director of children's ministry. That would be my wife. Um, What does Sarah do? International missions, local missions. They had a baby this past week. So... Yeah, very, very cool. So little Caleb has come into the world. Little Caleb Jones, we went down to visit and I've forgotten how small they are when they start. They're so little. It's so great. So just be in prayer for Tim and Sarah and their family as they adjust to a family of five and and have this new little one in their home. So we look forward to seeing that little one here at church. Um, Today starts our first day in our two-week fast that we're going to do together. So anybody ready for a fast? Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. You guys are ready. It's exciting. Well, apparently your excitement and momentum will build as uh, the week goes on. So, day number one of our fast that we're going to do together—a uh, two-week. Yeah, typically, we do a three-week fast. This year, we're we're trying a two-week fast. And excited to have everybody uh, who's going to be on this journey with us. And you have a card close by you. I encourage you to grab for just a moment—a little card that says "My My 2014 Fast." There should be a pin there. A little piece of broken pottery. We'll get to that in a minute. But you'll see on this card, there is a place for you to write what you are fasting from. And I encourage you to write what you're fasting from. If you haven't decided that today, it would be a great day to decide that. And then there are two little spots for you to write a prayer. So you can write a little prayer for yourself. That would be what you're fasting for. And then there's a spot where you can write for someone else a prayer for them. So what I encourage you to do is to keep this card with you. So so you're not turning this card in today. You're just keeping it with you as a reminder of what you're fasting from and a reminder of what you're fasting for, your prayer for yourself, and then that prayer that you have for someone else. And I, I actually encourage you, tell that person you're praying for them let them know, over this two-week time period, I'm going to be praying for you every day, and here's my prayer for you. I think that'll be a very encouraging thing. So uh, either call them and tell them, tell them in person, them, write them a note or something. Just let them know that you're going to be praying for them. Now, if you're new to this whole concept of fasting, this spiritual discipline of fasting, and you would like to get a little bit more information about that and maybe join us in our fast, I encourage you to go to our website at theepicchurch.com. And under our resources tab, you can find a fasting preparation guide. So that guide will just help you get ready for this fast and what it's all about, answer a lot of questions that you may have. So I'm excited about what God has in store for us over the next two weeks as we fast together. Now, today we are in week two of our Overcomer series, and I'm just curious as we begin, how many of you would say that at some point in your life in the past, you've had something you've needed to overcome? All right. How many of you would say right now in your life, there's something you need to overcome? All right. Now, I don't know if that's encouraging to you or not, but that's very encouraging to me because there are moments when I'm battling whatever I'm battling and I think I'm by myself. I think you all live perfect lives. I mean, I see them on Facebook I mean, you guys take great vacations. You're like always hanging out with cool people, posting cool things. And, you know, there are times I look at my life and go, man, I'm the only one battling this. And the reality is, you're not alone. We all have something that we need to overcome. And I think that's a great encouragement for all of us. Now, last week, Tim did a great job of starting this series and teaching through the reality that we can't overcome our past. Something that holds a lot of us back. Either something that was done to us or something that we did in our past. And often that's like an anchor that holds us back from moving forward with God. And we looked at this story of Moses and how God used Moses to overcome a pretty rotten past. And God used him significantly to free the nation of Israel. And God wants to do the same type of thing with us. He wants to help us overcome our past and use us significantly in our community, in our jobs, in our homes, in our schools, so you can overcome your past. I hope and pray that many of you took a step in that right direction of overcoming your past. Now, there are all kinds of things that we need to overcome in life. There are fears for today. There are worries about tomorrow. There are doubts that we have about God and about ourselves. There are temptations that we all too often give into. There's discouragement that makes us just want to quit. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but there are moments in the Christian life that it is hard, and you just feel like, I don't know if I can keep doing this, I keep fighting and trying to overcome this thing, but this thing keeps beating me, and I'm just tempted to just quit. And that's what the enemy of God would love, if we would just quit fighting against him. But listen to our theme verse for this series, found in 1 John 4, 4. The King James Version puts it this way. It says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the he that is in you is God. Romans 8, 11 says the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. If you're a Christ follower, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And when God looks at you, guess what he sees? An overcomer. He sees someone who has all the resources that you need. All the resources available to you from heaven for you to overcome anything that you are facing. That's why 1 John 4 4 says, greater is he that is in you, that's God, than he that is in the world, that's Satan. You are an overcomer. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you realize it or not, that's what God sees when he looks at you. Now today, we're going to talk about overcoming the fear that's in our lives. And, you know, as I was working on this message, I thought, you know, a lot of people probably won't identify with that right off the bat. You know, a lot of people won't say, yeah, I don't, I'm not all that afraid. There's not a whole lot that I'm afraid of. But the more that we explore this, you might identify with some fear that a lot of us battle with in life. Um, fear is something that affects all of us. Whether a child or an adult, fear can creep its way into all of our lives. Now, when I was a kid, Uh, I remember in early elementary school years, uh, we lived in Missouri at the time, and I would run through our kitchen to my bedroom door. And at my bedroom door, I would leap from the door and fly through the air to land on my bed when it was time to go to bed. Why? Because I was afraid of that monster that lived under the bed. You know, I thought, you know, if I go in the room and get too close to the bed, he'll reach out and grab my ankle and suck me under, and I'll be stuck under there with all those dust bunnies. So I did not want that to happen. Anybody identify with that? Anybody, like, afraid of the boogeyman under your bed? Now, I don't do that a whole lot anymore, but every once in a while. As adults, we can be afraid of heights. We can be afraid of spiders, snakes, confined spaces, all kinds of fears that we can have, phobias that are out there. On an emotional level, we can be afraid of failure. We can be afraid of being misunderstood. We can be afraid of change. We can be afraid of commitment. We can be so afraid of what people think about us that we do relationship gymnastics, trying to get people around us to like us. If there's someone maybe at work who doesn't like you one day and you find yourself doing all this relationship stuff. Man, I just want to make them happy. Maybe they'll like me better. If, I, you know, if they think I should be funnier, maybe I'll try to be funnier at the, around the lunch table. Or maybe they think I should be smarter, I'll try to look smarter. We do all this weird stuff out of this fear of what people think about us. We can be so afraid of the future that we find ourselves worrying constantly instead of really living the way that God wants us to live. Fear is something that can affect all of us. And if we allow it, it can dominate our lives. One of our biggest fears that we deal with is related to God. Many times we're afraid to trust him. We're afraid to do what he asks us to do. When I was a teenager, uh, I was afraid to fully trust God with my life. I trusted God with my eternity You know, that was something I couldn't control. I figure, you know, Jesus died for me, and I believe in him, and I get to go to heaven. That's awesome. What a great deal. Um, But I didn't want to trust God, like, with my life. You know, here was my fear. If I go to God and say, all right, God, I trust you completely with my life, here's what he'll probably do. He'll probably make me be a missionary in a lonely desert in Africa I'm going to starve to death and die of some unknown disease. That was my fear. Like I don't want to give complete control because God might ask me to do something that I'm not really cool with. Or worse, he might ask me to be a pastor. Can you imagine? How horrible would that be if God asked you to be a pastor? So the core issues, I think, that are connected to fear is a lack of trust and a desire to control. Like when we're afraid of whatever we're afraid of and it's related to God, there's a lack of trust there. We don't trust God in that moment. And there's a lack of control. We like to control our lives. I like to control my life. And in those moments where we're afraid, like we don't feel like we're in control. And so we say, God, I'm afraid to fully trust you and do what you want me to do. So in those moments, that obstacle that we're looking at, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and our God gets smaller and smaller and smaller in our eyes, that God wants us to know that He's greater than any obstacle that we could ever face, any fear that we could ever face, and so He wants us to have a right perspective. He wants us to see ourselves the way that He sees us. He wants us to see Him the way that He really is. That He is greater, and He's made us to be overcomers. So today. We're going to explore overcoming by looking at a story in the Bible, a story of a guy named Gideon. And Gideon, he wrestled with fear on a consistent basis. So some of you may be able to identify with Gideon's story. Now, uh, if you would, grab a Bible and turn over to Judges chapter 6. And if you brought a Bible with you, um, flip that open. If you need a Bible, there's Bibles at the back of each seating section. I encourage you to grab one of those. They're our free gift to you if you need a Bible. Uh, on page 192 is where Judges 6 can be found. And if you have a Bible app on your phone, feel free to, to bring that up and use that throughout the service as well. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Gideon and the time frame that he lived in. Gideon was a guy that was a part of the nation of Israel. And they were God's specially chosen people. So, so kind of get this. So God shows up and says, he looks over all the people groups in the world and he selects this one man named Abraham and his wife and he says, listen, I, I'm gonna be your God and you're gonna be my people. And, and as God looked around the world, he didn't select the biggest, the mightiest nation to, to say that to. He selected the nobodies. They weren't even a nation. They didn't have kids you know, early on their journey. And so God said, listen, I'm going to be your God and I'm going to protect you. I'm going to guide you. I'm, I'm going I'm to uh, be there for you. And what I ask in return is that you worship me and me alone. Now, as the nation of Israel grew, one of the problems that they had was worshiping God and God alone. Often, they would give in to worshiping other gods of other nations that were around them. And every time they did that, something bad happened. Every time they turned their back on God and started worshiping another god, God would allow another nation to come take them captive. So they would go back into this thing called slavery for a number of years until they recognized what they had done, until they turned back to God and said, God, We've blown it. We've turned away from you. So in those moments, God would respond, and God would send someone to them. In this time frame that we're looking at, he would send someone to rescue them, and that someone was known as a judge. So thus, the name of the book that we're reading, Judges. And Gideon was one of those judges. Judges chapter 6, verse 1, tells us, The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. So for seven years, they were oppressed by the Midianites. So they had turned away from God again. They'd been in this pattern. They turned away from God. They hadn't learned their lesson. And God allowed the Midianites to come and oppress them. Let me tell you about the Midianites. So here's how the Midianites would oppress them. The, the Israelites were so afraid of the Midianites, they would go live in, in caves. They made homes out of caves. And then they would plant their crops. And whenever they would plant their crops, the Midianites would wait until harvest time. And at harvest time, they would show up in hordes. The Bible says there were too many to count. So they would show up with all their animals, livestock, and they would eat all the food. And then they would take all the livestock that the Israelites had and leave, and leave them with nothing. So they would attack them and take everything that they had. So the Israelites were left starving. And verse five says that the Midianites stripped the land bare. So verse six says Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. And then at that point, they're starving. And then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Now, when I read the story of Israel throughout the Old Testament, often you know, I scratch my head and go, well, that's kind of weird. Like, Why did they wait so long? It didn't need to be seven years. Why did they wait until they were starving in order to cry out to God? Why so long? Why didn't they turn to God earlier? I mean, it could have been one year. could have been six months. could have been one month. But no, it ended up being seven years. And then I wonder about me why do I wait so long? And then I wonder about you. Why do you wait so long? Why do I wait until I'm in this desperate place in order to turn back to God and cry out to him for help? Like, why do I do that? Why do you do that? I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty stubborn guy. And I'm pretty prideful. And so there's moments I just get this, you know, I'm gonna do it my way thing going on. And that leads me into a desperate place. And in those desperate places, we have an opportunity for our eyes to be put back in the right place, where they need to be. So I'm so grateful that God uses desperate places, but my prayer is that I won't allow myself to get to a desperate place like the Israelites did on a regular basis, that I won't wait so long. My prayer for us as a church is that we won't wait so long to be in those desperate places will cry out to God sooner. So the Israelites, they're in this desperate place. They're starving. They cry out to God, and guess what? God responds. God responds to sincere cries for help. God will respond to your sincere cry for help. Verse 11, God respond, responded by sending an angel. So it says, that, then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, And Gideon was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? Now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. So Gideon's in this moment, he's talking with this angel and he says, why has this happened? God has abandoned us and his assessment is wrong. Just like when we're in a a moment of crisis, often our assessment of the crisis and what is happening is wrong. The Israelites had turned away from God. God hadn't abandoned them. He was allowing this moment to happen for them to get their eyes back on him. He wanted to get their attention. Same stuff happens in our lives. When there's some not pleasant things going on, often what God is doing is he's wanting to get our attention. So when we're in a difficult season of life, we need to have a, a better perspective of what's happening. We need to tap into God's perspective of what's going on and have a, a better assessment instead of doing what Gideon was doing in this moment. Now, verse 12 told us that it was an angel of the Lord that appeared to Gideon. But then notice what it says in verse 14. It says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Now, this is a real strange uh, interchange here. And let me tell you something very interesting about this angel. This was not an angel. This is actually God himself interacting with Gideon. If you look at the word Lord in the verse, verse 14, verse 16, and throughout this passage, it is spelled with all caps. And you'll notice that there's a large L and then there's smaller O-R-D, but they're all capitalized. That's how English uh, Bible translators translated the Hebrew words for God. So anytime you see Lord spelled with caps in the Bible, you know you're dealing with God himself in that moment. And most Bible scholars believe this is Jesus before we know him as Jesus, who's interacting directly with Gideon. So this is a very profound interaction right here. In verse 15, Gideon replied, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe, and I am the least in my entire family. And Gideon is doing what we often do. He's saying, I can't do that. I can't do what you've asked me to do. It's not possible. It's too big. I'm not that big. That obstacle is ginormous. There's no way that I could overcome that. It's just not possible. He's not seeing himself the way that God sees him. He's not seeing himself as an overcomer. And the cool thing is that God personally came down to tell Gideon a somebody who felt like a nobody that he was somebody. There's a personal interaction. God shows up and goes, Gideon, I know you feel like a nobody, but you're a somebody. More than that, you're an overcomer, and I'm gonna use you to free the nation of Israel. And there are moments that we all feel like nobodies. And God comes and says, you're a somebody. I want you to know that you're an overcomer and I want you to live as an overcomer. Verse 16 says, The Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Now, even though Gideon had this very profound interaction, he was still afraid. He was still afraid. Look over at verse 36. And Gideon said to God, if you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to rescue or help me rescue Israel as you promised. Now, most of us test God like that. We ask God to prove himself on a regular basis. There's some people that say, God, if you're really real, then part the heavens and just speak to me audibly. Prove it. God, if you really want me to do that thing, prove it by making it crystal clear. If you really want me to trust you with my finances and give money back to you, this thing called tithing, then prove it by letting me win the lottery. We have all kinds of funny ways of interacting with God and ways that we say, prove it. I want you to, to prove yourself to me. And in verse 38, God did. And that was just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. So Gideon goes, God, prove it. And God did. He proved it. And watch what Gideon does next. Verse 39. Then Gideon said to God, okay, God, now please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So sometimes we ask God to prove himself. He does. And then we want to play double or nothing. Like, okay, God, like, that was cool. You answered that one. But okay, so let's, like, sweeten the deal here. So, like, tomorrow morning, if, like, the grass is blue and the sky is green, then I know for sure that it's you. Sometimes we say some really weird things in our interactions with God. And so God goes along with Gideon's second request. Verse 40, it says, so that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. Now, I am not sure why God answered Gideon's requests. I'm not sure. You don't read about anything like this happening in the rest of the Bible. There are no other Bible stories where someone tests God in this way. It doesn't happen. Usually God speaks, and he asks us to respond. He asks us to, to trust him. But I am so encouraged that we have Gideon's story. I'm so encouraged by how God gently handled Gideon. Gideon was afraid. And some of us can identify with that. Some of us are afraid. And God came along and said, I'm going to be with you. And he reconfirmed, he reconfirmed, he graciously confirmed again and again that he was going to be with him in his moments of intense fear. When I, since God was leading us to start Epic over five-plus years ago, I was scared to death. Uh, if you don't know anything about me, there are two things I've never wanted to do in my life. One is be a pastor, and two is work at a church. So I like never wanted to do either of those. And starting a church, if you didn't know, it like, fits into both of those. And so I like never wanted to start a church either. And when God kept prompting my wife and I to, to get Epic started, I kept reminding him of all the reasons why it was a bad idea, all right? So I told him things like this. I, listen, God, I'm just not smart enough. I, I don't know enough about the Bible. I'm not a good enough public speaker, my wife was battling a chronic illness that she still battles with today. And, and at that time, I said, listen, God, it's just not going to work out. How can we start a church when she is in so much pain all the time? It's, I mean, it's just, it's not a good time for that. And then I reminded him about the economy. What happened in the economy, you know, around oh eight, Like, the economy tanked. I said, yeah, it's not a good time for us to start a church economically, there was all kinds of reasons I told God, like, it's just not going to work. The time frame you got figured out is just a little bit off. and It's just not possible. And God just gently reminded me, gently encouraged me, said, I'm going to be with you. And here's what I ask. I ask is for you to make yourself available for what I want to do. Now, several years ago, I heard a pastor teach on this issue of fear. And he talked about the story of uh, Jeremiah in the Bible, a prophet. And he handed out to everybody a little clay piece of pottery. And he used it as a, uh, an action point in his message and gave everybody a pen and, and uh, gave everybody a piece of pottery. And he challenged us to face a fear issue. He said, listen, And he taught through this story of Jeremiah that we're not going to get into today, but he taught through this and said, Listen, uh, Jeremiah was able to overcome some fear issues. I encourage you to overcome, identify what your fear is, and write a declaration to God of what you are going to do as you step forward towards this fear. And so I wrote in my chair, related to Epic God, I'm afraid, but available. Like God, I'll just be honest with you. I'm afraid. I am just not sure I I have what it takes. I'm not sure that we can do this. But I'm available. If you want to do this, I'm available. Now, I think God cares way more about our availability than he does our abilities. You watch throughout the Bible, God profoundly uses people who would say, "I I, I just don't I don't have the stuff." just don't think I can do it i don't have the availability I or i don't have the ability i have the availability but not the ability god can can use us regardless of our abilities he's asking us to be available so he's asking gideon gideon i want you to be available cuz i'm going to do something really really cool now I think God was so incredibly generous with Gideon and so incredibly gracious with him because of what God was about to do to Gideon. He was about to stretch his faith in radical ways. So God had answered Gideon's first requests and said, all right, now go get an army. So Gideon went out and rallied the warriors of Israel and he was able to rally 32,000 warriors Pretty cool numbers until you compare them with the warriors that the Midianites and their allies had, 135 plus thousand. Okay, so Gideon comes back and goes like, I was only able to get 32,000, not great odds. So Gideon was way outmatched from the beginning of this battle. And then watch what God does in chapter seven, verse two. God said to Gideon, you have way too many warriors with you. If I let you go fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home Leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. So, so, like, get this. Put yourself in that spot. Here you are. You're Gideon. You're the leader. You're looking at your warriors, and you're like, okay, like, God says, if, like, some of you are afraid, you can go home. And you're thinking maybe a few would go. And 22,000 leave. I'm surprised Gideon didn't go with them. Now, here he's like, this is absurd. This is crazy. We only have 10,000 warriors. And the story gets better. Verse 4. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put those who kneel down and drink with, the, with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. In verse 7, God said to Gideon, we don't need all the others. We only need the 300. And Gideon's going, what? What are you talking about? So another 9,700 leaves. So Gideon's army went from 32,000 to 10,000 to 300. And our application for us is sometimes we think we have to have all this stuff in order for us to do what God is asking us to do. Sometimes we say, okay, God, if you want me to do this, I gotta have this, I gotta have this, I gotta have this, I gotta have this. And God goes, you don't need all that. If you've got me, you've got all the resources you need to be an overcomer in this situation. So just trust me this moment. So here's Gideon. He goes to face the Midianites with God and his 300 warriors. And again, I'm sure he's thinking, this is just crazy. This is crazy. Verse nine, says, that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up and go down into the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. So at that point, God is saying, go attack. But then he says, here's another measure of grace. But if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Purah. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. Now, Gideon was still afraid, so he took his servant with him went down to the Midianite camp, and they listened. And as they approached, this is what they heard. They heard one guy saying to his companion, the man said, I had this dream, and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent and turned it over and knocked it flat. Verse 14, his companion answered, your dream can only mean one thing. God has given Gideon victory over Midian and all its allies. Now, if I was the guy listening to that dream, I'm going, what did you drink last night? What crazy dream? Did you have some pizza, like way too late? Like, that's weird. But this guy says, no, we're doomed. It's over. That dream means we are going to lose this battle. In verse 15, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. So here he is and is in the enemy camp. He hasn't defeated the enemy. The obstacle is still in front of him. And guess what he's doing? He's worshiping. His eyes are in the proper place in that moment. So is it possible to worship with a great obstacle standing in front of you? Yes, it's possible for you and I to bow and worship of the overcomer, the ultimate overcomer, and how God sees us as overcomers, even though we haven't overcome yet. So it's possible for us to still worship our God in those moments. Verse 15 continues, and it says, then Gideon returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, get up. Guys, we got to go. God's given us victory. Let's go get it. Verse 16, he divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. So he handed out to his 300 warriors something like this, a clay, clay jar, and there was a torch inside. So he gives this out. He gives a ram's horn to each one of the guys. And he says in verse 17, then he said to them, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, you blow your horns too, all around the entire camp, and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Now I'm sure his warriors. I mean, these are like warriors, so I'm sure they're going. Okay, cool. Then what? Like, what? What do we do after that? And he's like, okay. Like, uh, I don't know. We're gonna break these pots. and OK, so if you're a warrior, you're thinking, all right, so hold on, let's just make sure we're on the same page here. So you want us to go down, 300 of us, to remind you, you want us to go down, and there's 135,000 plus. You want us to blow our horns and wake them up for battle, and then you want us to break our pots? Like, that's what you got? Like, that's what God told you? OK, like, that's great. Like. Um, So it must be from God, because this is really ridiculous. Like, how are we going to defeat this army by waking them up and breaking pots? Well, that's what happened. 300 warriors surrounded the Midianite camp. They blew their ram's horns. They broke their (coughs) clay pots. Did they wake anybody up? (laughs) And they watched God at work. After the sound of the ram's horns and the shatter of the clay pots, verse 21 says, each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. So get the scene. They they blow their horn, they drop, they, they smash their clay pots, and the Midianites are killing each other. And these guys are going. Are you watching this? Like, are you get like anybody got this on their iPhone? Because I mean, this is cool. We got to post this later. So these guys are killing each other. And those who escaped were chased down by three hundred unafraid warriors. Three hundred guys that are going, like God says, we're overcomers. I guess we are. Let's go get them. They chased them down and defeated the Midianites. And this crazy, this amazing, this crazy encounter. And as you can imagine, they were not afraid anymore after that. The same can happen for you and I, as we see ourselves the way God sees us. And he may ask us to do some really weird things on the journey, you know, like fasting. He might ask us to do something strange like fasting in order to defeat something that's ahead of us. But again, with God, we our overcomers. When we started Epic again, I told you I was afraid. Scared to death had all my reasons why this just wasn't going to work. And God was gracious to my wife and I. And God brought along 20 plus or so people that came alongside of Tammy and I. And they said, listen, like, we'll help you start this. We'll be involved in this. We'll give our time, our talents, and our resources. We will roll up our sleeves. We will help create a church for people in our community who don't do church. We'll be passionate to reach people far from Christ. And as I think about those 20 or so people that came alongside of us to help us get started, I look at them the way that Gideon must have looked at his 300 warriors. I mean, can you imagine what Gideon and his warriors were saying when they got back to home? And they're telling their stories. Can you imagine the stories they were sharing? Like, okay, it's crazy. Like, we just did this, you know, the horn. And we did the pots. And then they're killing each other. It was amazing. They watched God perform only what God can do. And when I think about the 20 or so people that have helped us, and I look at the life of our church. We're a young church, a little over four years old. I think, wow, we've seen some amazing things happen in this short existence of a church. We've seen several hundred people give their hearts to Jesus, put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We've seen marriages restored. We've seen families mended back together. I've watched people dive into a small group and get real about their hurts, their habits, and hang-ups, the stuff that's holding them back. I've watched them say, I've never shared this with anybody before, but I'm going to share this, and I'm going to take a step towards becoming an overcomer in my life. We watched hundreds of people, hundreds of you have served our community. As we go out into our community and we serve, we did a 3G Sunday here not long ago. had 260 of you go out and serve in 13 different projects. We've watched many of you go out and build Habitat for Humanity Homes or do gleaning projects or all kinds of things that we've done in our community to, to let our community know that hope can be found in Jesus. And we want to introduce you to Jesus. We've watched people go on international mission trips and overcome their fear of flying, of being in another country, and then to go and serve and come home wrecked. I love going on our international trips. I love coming home and watching people go, I can't live the way I have always lived. I have to live differently now after this trip. I see people differently. I love watching that. We've seen that and and more things happen. And the cool thing about the 20 plus or so people that God brought along with us is God keeps adding to those. It's fabulous to watch as God keeps adding more and more people who've come along and said, listen, I'll help. I'll be a part of that. I'd love to join that. I would love to be involved in what you're doing here to create a church for people who don't do church. If you serve in any capacity in our church, I wanna personally say thank you. I can't thank you enough. And here's the cool thing. When you serve You help me overcome my fear. You're used by God to help me overcome the fear obstacle that stands against me in moments. So again, if you serve, I cannot thank you enough. If you're not serving, I invite you to be a part of what God is doing here and be active and we can together watch God do what only God can do. So what fear is God asking you to overcome? What fear issue are you looking at? Is it a a fear of giving your heart to God? For fear that you may have to change some of the way that you live? You may have to give something up. Maybe you're afraid to trust God with your career. For fear that God'll make you become a missionary or, you know, worse a pastor. Maybe you're afraid to trust God with your finances or to come clean about some habit in your life for fear of what other people might think of you. God might be asking you to trust him with your marriage. Maybe your marriage isn't doing so well and you'd say, listen, I'm just afraid. I'm just trying to control this thing as best I can. Maybe God's asking you to trust him with the future because he knows the future like, so could he be trusted with it? Absolutely, he could. Maybe you're a person who wrestles with fear of what other people think about you. And you, you, if you're honest, you just say, listen, I spend so much of my time trying to do relationship gymnastics to make other people around me pleased. And God comes along and says, listen, all you have to do is focus on pleasing me. I'll take care of everybody else. You don't have to waste all your time in fear of what people think about you. Just spend your time, folks, on me and what I'm asking you to do. God is asking you to overcome some fear of some sort. What is it? And will you take a step towards it, a step towards becoming an overcomer? As we close today, I'd love everybody to grab your little clay pot, a little piece of pottery there. And there should be a pin around you. I encourage you to grab that as well. In just a moment, our worship team's gonna come out and they're gonna guide us through our closing song and here's what I want for you. I I want this piece of pottery to remind you that God is greater than anything you could ever face. Financial fear, relationship fear, health fear, doesn't matter. God is greater. And if you're a Christ follower, greater is he that's in me. Than he that is in the world. So I want this piece to remind you of God's greatness, and God just might ask you to do something radical, like like He asked Gideon, hey, you know, like take you those three hundred guys and go blow a horn and break some pots. Like God might ask you to break a pot, do something weird, like fasting might ask you to do something strange like fasting where you say, listen, I don't understand this, but I'm gonna set aside food or a portion of food or an activity in order to grow my relationship with God. And people around you are go like, you're doing what? Yeah, I don't fully get it. But God's asking me to do this because I need to overcome some things. There's some fear in my life I need to overcome. And it's weird, I know, like I get it, but God's asking me to do this crazy thing. And I'm gonna trust him because I wanna become an overcomer. So as we listen to this last song, what I encourage you to do is just write a short prayer, a short thought on here. You can write I'm an overcomer. You can just write the word overcomer. You can write something like I wrote, God, I'm afraid, but I'm available. Like write whatever is significant to you and the fear issue that you are facing during the song. And then I encourage you to keep this with you somewhere. Like, I keep mine in my car. So I I see it on a consistent basis. Maybe you want to keep it at work, and you keep it at home somewhere, and keep it as a reminder of what God can do when we trust him. And if you get an opportunity, and like this is sitting out in your desk, and somebody goes, like, what's up with the pottery? Guess what? You can tell them Gideon's story, and how God used Gideon and helped him become an overcomer, and how God is using you to help you become an overcomer. Let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful for stories like Gideon's in the Bible. Um, Lord, as a guy, I know that I've wrestled with fear in my life and things that I was afraid to do. And when you talked to me and asked me to do certain things specifically related to starting this church. And yet, God, I I think, what if I would have just said no? What if I would have just said, no, I'm just, I'm not doing that. God, there would be families not reunited. There would be marriages not mended. There would be at least 200 people who wouldn't have put their faith and trust in you. There'd be people who wouldn't go on an international mission trip and have their hearts wrecked as they serve the world. There'd be people here who wouldn't go out and serve their neighbors and serve our community and and see people the way that you see people. So my prayer for all of us, Lord, is that even with our fear, we'll say yes to you. We'll understand that greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world, and we'll tap into that strength, that power, and that reality, and we will see ourselves as overcomers the way that you See us. Lord, each one of us has a fear standing in front of us. Remind us that you are greater. You're greater than any fear that we could ever stand against. Lord, encourage us this week, I pray. I pray that we would take one more step towards becoming those overcomers that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: So I see that we have a few more people in this service than last, so either you planned for it to be cold this morning, or you walked out to your car and you seen the ice on the windshield and you walked right back inside, right? Yeah? anybody anybody see ice this morning on the windshield? Anybody get up? Did you break out your ice scrapers? Anybody? No Northerners here that carry them down with them? No. Well, thanks for coming this morning. If you're new with us today, uh, we just ask that you stop by our Connection Center right over in the corner. We just want to personally meet you and give you a little bit of information what Epic's all about here. Um, My name's Cody Anderson, and I'm the leader of our student ministry, Surge, and I just have a few announcements um, before we get started today. Um, actually, right after service today, we're going to be having a meeting right over in the room on the other side of these drapes over here um, for our go trips. Our go trips this year are our summer mission trips that we're taking over to Guatemala. We're going to go over there and assist them. So, if you're interested in that, um, go over to the meeting right after service. Or if you have children in the back, go get your children back in Epic Kids, bring them back over to the room, and they can join you in there for the information that you need for that. And if you are interested in going and you haven't filled out your application yet, the application is found on theepicchurch.com and it is due January 31st. So make sure you get that in if you're interested. Now check this out. So our group environments are starting here shortly, and here at Epic, we would love everybody here, which is all of you, to be connected within a group. Um, So Starting Point is happening soon, and what Starting Point is, is going to be a 10-week conversational course to where you get to experience community, and also just dig deeper into the story of God. So we're going to be having an informational meeting on um, January 26th, and it's going to be in the same room over here as the Epic, uh, the Go trips. and right after service, you'll attend those. They'll give you more information about that. And if you know that you're already interested in attending that, um, we have a table set up in the back, right behind the chairs there. I'll be back there. You can go and sign up um, for a starting point there, or you can go online at theepicchurch.com and you can sign up there. So, if you've already been through Starting Point, your next part of the journey is going to be Group Link. And Group Link is an opportunity for you to be able to join into a men's, a women's, or a couple's community group. So, they're going to be having a meeting about that, um, which is going to be on February 9th at 7 p.m. over at Palm Coast Community Church, which is Group Link, and you'll be able to jump right into the groups um, and experience what that group, uh, that group community is all about. So, if you're interested in joining, uh, um, group link. We have the table in the back. Again, come see me. I'll get you plugged in and signed up, and then you can go on that uh, part of your journey there. Or you can go online at theepicchurch.com, and you can sign up there also. Um, and if you're a part of Epic, and you call Epic your home, um, and you'd like to give back to what we're doing here uh, within the church service and in the community, there's two ways that you can give back. You can give online at theepicchurch.com, or you can give in the, in the giving boxes right behind the chairs there. So before we jump into our Overcome series, I'm just going to pray for us before we get started. Father God, I just thank you. I just thank you for having a plan for us, Lord. I know um, we have multiple uh, areas of faith that we're in, Uh, people here that are just different levels, and you have a plan for every single one of us, Lord. And we have things to overcome. There's so many things that are put in our way to stop us from where we need to be, that plan with you, Lord. And I just pray, as Trent comes up here, that fear that we have inside, that we're trying to overcome different ways of being able to uh, connect with you, Lord, I ask that you just speak truth to him and speak into our soul, Lord. Just speak into our hearts and allow us to be able to receive what he's saying, Lord. Allow us to be the overcomers that you want us to be. Allow us to overcome that fear that's been put in our way to be able to gain the right relationship that you planned for us, Lord. Father God, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.